written and put to song. As the children are making their way back, if you can, you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is going to be part two of message, never, um, and I pretty much figured out I'm not going to get it done uh, in this message, so we will have part three next week. So as you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, last week as I started the message, never, we talked about the story of Winston Churchill and the early development of World War II when he became Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Winston hated Hitler and his ideologies well before his appointment to prime minister, and Hitler hated Winston as well. As we started last week, Winston, soon after his appointment as prime minister, was faced with a retreating army in France due to the superiority of the German army, of the German army and its equipment. His entire army, 3,000 plus was being forced back to the city of Dunkirk, France, against the shore of the English Channel, which in a matter of days would be annihilated by the German ground attack and air support, and there would be nothing left holding Germany back from continuing on to England to conquer it. Along with this pressure, his government, and particularly his own party, was pressuring Winston to negotiate with Hitler. He was backed into a corner where he would struggle in heart and mind. Without the support of his government and the lives of 300,000 men at stake, the only logical way out seemed to be to give in to Hitler and negotiate terms of peace, but that would surely come at the cost of his country's sovereignty. However, with some encouragement, from the king himself, and an analysis from the common people and their thoughts, he was encouraged to lead the country with a resolve of heart in the midst of overwhelming circumstances. He was resolved to never negotiate and fight to the bitter end, regardless of the outcome. He was able to lead his country with the mantra that to die for right would be better than to negotiate with wrong, and to never give in to Hitler. Winston's last-minute speeches to the press, public, and parliament gave rhetoric question as to the results of negotiating with Hitler. Would they allow themselves to be a puppet nation and have a swastika flying over Buckingham Palace? Upon this question, the nation rose together with a resounding never. Shortly after their resolve, the UK was able to recover most all of the 300,000 troops from Dunkirk, France, to England by a mission that they called Dynamo. The operation consisted of large Navy ships, countless civilian small boats to navigate the shallow waters to bring transporting British troops to the large Navy vessels with courageous British air support. In Winston's word, it was nothing short of a miracle of God. It took five years of battle, though, before the Allies claimed victory. But we must remember that under those extreme circumstances and loss of hope, they were just one small moment away of giving in. It was tight. One 
little spot where he was tempted to give in. I cannot imagine what this world would look like if he had. President Zelensky of the Ukraine has taken a similar stand against Russia's Putin to never give in, no matter how big, powerful, and ugly they are. They are fighting back valiantly. Our nation, churches, and our families are being backed into a similar corner to continue in right or compromise with the wrong who seeks dominion and domination and control of us. Like the people of England in World War II, or like Ukraine, we must choose to battle. For how long? Let me give you the words of Winston Churchill. He stated, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Now, unlike World War II, where the battle was obvious and the fronts defined, our country, our churches, and our families are being taken over by an invisible enemy. Let me quote Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The prince and power of this world achieves the conquering of souls through subtle compromise. With that thought in mind, we've been looking at Paul's address to Timothy of how he is to battle. We find this charge in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And keeping true to the theme and title of the message, we are creating a list of nevers to prevent Satan's takeovers. As we travel through this preaching, we may discover areas where the enemy has already taken over in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our country. I encourage us to take back that ground according to 2 Corinthians 10.4. For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let's pray. Father, as we continue this message, never. May we pay clear attention to what's packed full in the second chapter of 2 Timothy. And Father, may we take heed. Now, we know that this was written by Paul to Timothy, but it's for us as well, anybody who wants to be in God's army and to, and to, to be a part of Him should take heed to these points as well. Now, we ask that you'd speak to us as only you can through your Holy Spirit, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I'm going to go over... <clears throat> We went over seven verses of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and we came up with seven nevers. Verse 1 was never to forget who you'd belong to. You are a child of God. You have God on your side and victory has already been won, folks, through Christ. Also in verse 1, number 2, never battle in the power of the law, but rather by grace and the power of God. You know, David took the, armor, uh, took the armor of Saul off when he approached Goliath. He came with something different, and so should we as we battle. 1 Samuel 17, 45, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. In verse 2, 
we came up with never forget your responsibility to train the next generation. This begins with your children. We are always one generation away from losing our grandchildren to the devil. Verse 3, never give up to endure hardship. I thought of this, Tim and Esther, if you all remember, this shirt has been a famous shirt. Everybody likes to wear this shirt, man, it's really nice. Called the Resilience Run. What is resilience? The capacity to quickly recover from difficulties or change, adapting in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, or threats, ability to bounce back with strength. And they used the verse in Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. In verse 4, never let your goal and satisfaction be found in the things of this world. The world causes us to wander far from God, resulting in ineffective witness to those around us. Verse 5, never cheat in your service for the Lord. Resist the temptation to make goals of the flesh and to achieve them, especially those in leadership. Lest you be found guilty of fleshly acts to do God's will and lose eternal reward. Verses 6 and 7, we came up with the seventh never. Never trust what you are doing for God is of God until you have tasted it yourself and compared it to God's word. Now I remember in my early 20s, I was completely out of debt and owned an average priced home in Milford and I didn't get some big inheritance to do it. I was resolved to do this. Now my thoughts, I remember thinking that by getting out of debt, I would be able to free myself to do what I want to do. That was my plan. I remember if I wanted to work at McDonald's, I could work at McDonald's. When you get out of debt, you have these freedoms. Again, that was my plan. Since then, I found out that God had a different plan. A plan of more work, harder work, and a work that would provide for others at my expense. <laughs> I can certainly taste this fruit myself now, and that is excellent fruit, folks, according to the Word of God. And blessed fruit. And as I embark on the most blessed journey of being able to help others, I experience God taking care of me. Thank God he took my plan and made it his plan. I don't know where it is from here. I, God's plan could be to, to take me down to nothing and to learn to live for him there. I don't know what it might be, but let's make sure whatever we're doing, it's got God's signature on it. You know, in the past I heard a message preached concerning this principle. It begins with your vision. We have our ideas and our vision of what we're going to do for God. Then there's the death of that vision, and then it ends with God's vision for your life and purpose. That'll be another preaching message for another day. Let's add to our nevers today, beginning with verses 8 through 13. Verses 8 through 13 says, Remember, of 2 Timothy chapter 2, Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, 
I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. These verses here all have to do with establishing who Jesus is and where you stand with Jesus. From these verses, we are employed to never forget to refresh our standing with the Lord. Turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. If you're familiar with your Bible, it's, it's an address to the churches in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the golden of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and now thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake, has labored, and has not fainted. And then it says this, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove the, thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. A church who did so many good things <laughs> left their very heart motive for doing them for the love of Christ. Appreciate what Brother Mike's been saying. This is, this is how we ought to do things. You need to listen. You need to listen closely to this because this is where it's at. I am finding that when I try to witness out of duty, it becomes a job. It becomes a dread. It becomes a chore. When I witness for the love of, the pleasure of, and the privilege of it, it becomes a passion. We need to practice this. Our flesh wants to put it in some kind of form, but it ought to just come out of a love for Christ and a love for people who He has a love for, who He died for, and to begin to engage in some conversation with people. What is the difference between work and play? It is not the object, it is the attitude of heart. After all, many of us exhort much more energy in our play than we do at our work. We're getting a softball. What are you going to ask? A couple hours I'll be playing, boy, I'll be giving a whole week's worth, worth of energy at it. Work I have to do, play is what I want to do. We need to get to that point. That's what we want. Man, it comes easy. He said his burden's easy. That's, that's where it's at, folks. The church of Ephesus made serving the Lord a job. They labored and did not faint. They did good. Though they accomplished many things, they lost the most important thing, their reason for doing it and the passion that comes only from a love for Christ. 
God gives us some things to do that keep our heart motives afresh for Christ. Luke twenty two nineteen. you don't need to go there. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it, gave it unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. This is an important act that we do as a church to remember. I also think it's a good to give testimony to your salvation and his working in your life. When the going gets tough, remember Paul was in prison. He was in bonds. When the going gets tough, really tough, you need to be able to state your standing and refresh your purpose. Paul was a prisoner of the enemy, but he was wise to state his standing and he was wise to recall his purpose for preaching. And he was wise to claim victory because though he was bound, he said the word of God cannot be bound. I have no problem with somebody testifying at church. Even if, if God moves in your heart and so somebody stops and says, I just want to give a testimony. God burns in your heart for that and he should be. I'm more than willing to stop everything and to hear it. And it'll bless others if it comes from the right heart as it's as God's working out of your life. Paul in these verses gives some credentials for salvation for us to consider. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? As Jesus died, so have you died to yourself, to your old self. Do you now live a new life in accordance with God's word? Do you suffer persecution for identifying with Christ? Do you endure these troubles that you might win souls for Jesus? Or do you deny him by a secret Christian life? Or perhaps, in here, are you even saved? If not saved, seek to be saved today. Let's look at verse 14 for another never. It says, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Here is something added that we should never do as a born-again believer. We, when we clearly establish our relationship, correct language should follow. We should never engage in useless, empty talk for the mere purpose of talk. Now, that's a hard one, folks, because that's the way the world works. We talk a lot about nothings. But realize this. Useless small talk that does not lead to spiritual challenge. It Rather, it makes the lost comfortable in their state of unbelief. So when we go down and we kick up a conversation and we just have this happy little conversation of a bunch of empty things of this temporal world, that feels more and more normal to them and they feel more and more comfortable with it. We need to start probing around. I was talking, I didn't get a chance to talk with Lauren at the home. Let's continue to pray about that, but Patty introduced me to Russell um, and she brings me over to him and says, you know, Russell, we're having a Bible study here. Tim, you you know, you could talk to him. Well, she knows. I know. Russell don't want to have anything to do with God. 
So I began to talk to him, but with the mind of, you know, this is God's business. He can do what he wants to do. God gives him the right to do that. But I did it trying somehow, some way to bring it into a spiritual conversation. He just wouldn't let me. I said some things, but they were, they just, they weren't received and he moved on to tell me about all his, his life and his accomplishments and things. I'll go back to him. But it's caused me to think of how? Hmm. I've got to get an angle in here. You know, that's my, my purpose is to, is to get words that will profit him, that he could be led to the Lord. So I'm thinking, at least in my ways, and this is what Wednesday nights are about. <laughs> We're trying to encourage each other to, hey, to get involved in people's lives, to probe around and poke around, and get them a little uncomfortable. It's good to be, for them to be uncomfortable. Let's not let them be uncomfortable. What is subverting? <laughs> It comes from the Greek word catastrophi. Boy, it sounds familiar, don't it? It's from a word which means an overturn or catastrophe. That's where we get our word from. Demolition, figuratively apostasy, to overthrow, subverting. It means to turn upside down, to upset or overthrow. I believe that that gives us the incentive. This is what God's telling us to do, folks. Is not to get lost in the words of no prophet, but to get into some real conversations and to learn what the enemy's lies are and be able to combat them, perhaps if they really want to be drawn to the truth. Let's turn to verse 15. It says, he's telling Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Never quit studying. Never quit reading. Never quit uh, meditating and never quit praying over God's word to know it, to know it foundationally not just random stories and verses I have a passion for this church to let people really understand and know the word of God now there's a preacher that I kind of like to, to look at his comments and uh, as, as I was going through some of his commentaries he had mentioned that early on in his youth the Bible was a mess to him he just, it was just hard to figure out until he learned about dispensations, which that's a big word, about how the Bible's put together to see the large picture. And it said that made all the difference in the world to him as he studied. We need to do that. We need to really dig in. We need to really understand God's word and to, and to ask for him to reveal it to us and to teach it and to preach it strongly. Verse 16 says, But shun profane and vain babblings, 
for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and, and overthrow the faith of some. Herein lies discernment. There is a time to walk away, when so-called spiritual people start talking nonsense. Now, we went to a home, uh, Meadow something, up there in Adams County, and we went there for a while, and they would have this big lunch for all the people who volunteered there. And I sat down t next to some other churches, and he began to try to draw me into knowing the stars and what they have to say and what's coming and to be able to know what God's doing. And I began to explain some verses to him and he, he would try to explain those away. And I was like, ooh, on this. But that will draw people away. They draw people away because you know why? They are, want to subvert you. They want to draw you into their thinking. It's just a ploy of the devil, and they have a cloak of so-called righteousness upon them. Their doctrine smells. Listen to the Holy Spirit and get out of there. If you stay it in it, it says it can eat you. Don't think you're so strong. It says it can eat you as a canker and overthrow your faith. I know people, personally, who that's happened to. Never stick around profanity or vanity words because it will only increase the longer you are around it. We are tempted all the time. I mean, we have vendors come in at work. and Some are really nice and some have, wow, what a language. And they want to draw you into their thoughts. And even some good people. I had David Chin. I love the man and I'm praying for his soul and uh, the other day he came in and he just started talking like the world and I just whoop, didn't say anything and he's wise enough man he figured that was the wrong thing to say you can get caught in that stuff and soon you become like you, you may know some Christians who are like that you get them out there and they're just like the, the world I don't know of any person because I don't Hang around it. And there's some scripture here that's going to tell us that we shouldn't be around that. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Here we get an understanding that even within the house of God, even those who are truly saved, some are not very good, sometimes dishonorable. Let me read a few verses about being clean and holy. Psalm 24, 4, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, 
who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. 1 Timothy 1.5 Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Never get close to just anybody in Christendom. They can be harmful. <laughs> Stay your ground. Be clean and holy. Purge yourself from bad influence and be prepared to serve God. And I think I'm going to end right there and I'll finish the message next week. As the pianist comes, with heads bowed and eyes closed, the message continues and will continue next week to be established in your walk for God. To do what it takes. And the thought of Winston Churchill and, and of World War II and the of the evil, the enemy, Hitler, Satan himself working through him, trying to control and dominate. Sometimes it feels like he's got his foot on our lives. We should say never. We should say never to a lot of things in our life. What are those things that God has put His finger on in your life? Are you able to endure? Are you willing to endure regardless of what the circumstances may be? If we're backed out of this country, if we're backed out of our church, if we're backed in a corner in our family, are we going to stand? I pray our church would never fall. That we would take a stand. But not, not a harsh stand. A hard stand against sin, but a love for people and a passion to make all of Christ to all we can. things that are higher. These have allured my sight. I will hasten to them. Thank you everybody for your attention this morning. I pray the Lord spoke to your heart and that uh, this would be a help to you. I'm trying to encourage the church. I just know a lot of people are going through a lot of things. Difficult things. But we need to keep on. And we need to be resolved. Not to bend. But we can endure. <laughs> we know God's coming back. We know what our future is. Let us never give up. Father, thank you for your blessings of your word. Pray for your blessings on each family today. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.